0: Welcome into the Housing Hour with Kevin Ray, a locally produced program devoted to bringing you a fresh perspective on housing, diving into the issues that matter most. The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray is presented by Mortgage Investors Group. And now, Kevin Ray.
1: Welcome into the Housing Hour. This is Kevin Ray. I am your host. Thank you for joining us. We're excited to be here. The show is presented by Mortgage Investors Group. I am here with Mark Griffith, my executive producer and co-host. And uh, we're thankful to be here. we glad glad you guys stopped in. So uh, we want to tell you guys how to plug in with us, number one. You can go to thehousinghour.com and find all of our shows, our past shows. Uh, Please feel free to share those with uh, friends and family alike. Uh, And also, we're on Facebook, facebook.com slash thehousinghour. You can go there and also locate information, interact with us. We'd love to hear from you. Um, as well as Twitter as well. So it's at the housing hour. You can go there as well. So today we have a very important show because as everyone um, that's listening, who's listened to our past shows knows, uh, we have uh, been in the forefront of trying to help understand and educate those uh, in our community about uh, planning uh, against wildfires and what Things you can do um, as a community, as a, an individual, as a family, um, as a city, as as a state, as a nation, um, as a region. Everyone has their part to play. And we were so thankful a couple of few years back um, we had a great show. We had Leon come on, and he was able to – Leon Kahn's – is it Kahn's or Con? I can't remember how you pronounce that, Leon. Cons. Kahn's cons. that's right i had it right um came on and, and really educated me and, and and mark about this this program firewise and it really was a, an amazingly educational show and i left out of there feeling wow you know these are some things that are definitely important and but part of me thought these are, are important but but maybe more for california or some of the other areas i, I for whatever reason i didn't um calculate in my head just the dangers that did exist but today we have a really incredible panel and we're going to talk more about uh what exactly has been done and what can be done and really give the information to you guys so that we can get the word out so i'm going to introduce my panel number one on the phone with us um we have molly maury molly are you there I am here. Okay, Molly is the founder of Wildfire Planning International, and um, we're thankful, first of all, for you coming on to the show. Thank you so much, Molly.
2: You're welcome. Yeah, it's good absolutely. to be here.
1: And she she has um, quite uh, the resume as it relates to fi- wildfire protection and planning. Um, she created this uh, company, this this organization that she runs. And uh, it's really about planning and works with communities across the United States, even up in Canada. Um, and it addresses those key challenges that uh, everyone seems to have. and that involves local, state, federal government agencies, nonprofits, universities, engineering, planning firms, um, all of those things she helps to coordinate. And with her organization, that's what she does. And she's the team leader for the community planning assistance for wildfire. A lot of acronyms, but all very important. Um, and it's, it's funded. It's a grant funded, and all the services and recommendations um, are really specific at no cost to the community, which I think is really uh, important. Um, and then just so we, you guys know, Pigeon Forge is one of the eight communities nationally receiving this assistance through this organization that Molly uh, works for, that's really cool. Uh, Then we also have, um, she is here as well, and we also have Kevin Nunn. He's a lieutenant for the Pigeon Forge Fire Department. Um, He is the Firewise Coordinator for Pigeon Forge, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. He's also their Wildfire uh, Preparedness uh, Coordinator, 12 years with Pigeon Forge as a structural firefighter, five years on the Wildland Fire Crew in Colorado. I'm sure he saw plenty there. Kevin, thank you for joining us as well. Good afternoon. Absolutely. Thank you for coming. Um, of course, we have another uh, repeat show uh, guest here, Nathan Waters, Assistant District Forester for the Tennessee Department of Agriculture, Division of Forestry, and uh, he helps to manage wildfire operations in 23 counties. Um, he also serves as the district representative and spokesman, spokesperson on wildfires and related topics. That's why he's here. Um, he manages programs to make people and safe, uh, homes safer, Uh, from wildfire prevention programs fire wise as well of course those are some important things and then last but certainly not least we have leon with us he's been on the show as well um, twice this is his third time on the show he is the wildfire mitigation specialist with the buffalo duck river resource and conservation development council Um, He assists Nathan uh, in making homeowners and communities safer from wildfires. So Nathan has been working in collaboration with several people. And so this is a panel of all-star people who know and understand uh, all that we're dealing with. And first let me do this, and and i got to thank Leon. He's given me some really good notes here to help guide the conversation, and I think that's fantastic. So first, why don't we do this – why don't we have Nathan actually give us an overview, uh, you know, of, of what exactly happened in 2016, because that's really what we want to identify as being the event that led to some of very important things that have happened. So I'm going to have Nathan, if you don't mind, give us like the the, the overview um, and, and maybe give me some other comment, general comments about, uh, what the tactics and the prevention efforts you have five minutes use as much of that time as you'd like but we want this to be a conversation nathan but but just give me a little bit of an overview to set the stage for what we're going to talk about
3: um you know the in, in 2016 you know we'd had a uh, uh, a long year uh, a lot of drought uh, had had begun you know actually uh, at the end of the year before so that's always key uh, in tennessee is usually drought conditions uh, are what uh what causes the the big fire years. Um, mm-hmm. We had one in 1987, we had one uh, 2000, 2001, then we had the drought there in 2016. It all relates to the El Nino, La Nina mm-hmm. uh, events that occur, yeah. and sometimes we get a stronger one, sometimes we don't. Uh, but those are the years that we've re- most recently had our, our largest acres that have been merged statewide, um, you know, and, and when we've usually lost more houses than other other times um but you know it's it's possible any time to lose houses it's not just during drought so we you know we encourage people to be safe uh irregardless of that but mm-hmm. but that particular year it was extremely dry um and uh you know it was just uh very difficult to get stuff out um you know we'd had fires in our spring season which which is the first part of the year yeah. um and we also had fires through the summer and then at the end of the year, so that's very odd. We don't usually have a lot of summer fires. Uh, usually, our fire season goes October fifteenth to May fifteenth. That's when we actually issue permits. Uh, debris burns are, are one of the main thing, main items that we look at when we look at fire causes. Um, permit system just helps us to regulate those and get safety information out. It's a, a big part of our prevention efforts. Yeah. Um, you know, and the the vegetation, the drought had been so long for two thousand. 16 and actually, you know, 2000, uh, 1987, both, you know, a lot of the green plants were burning, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, if they have the leaves on. They don't usually do that here. Mm -hmm. Um, Most of our hardwood trees and such, you know, we had kudzu and things that were uh, uh, around structures and stuff, and it still had green leaves on it, but the fuel moisture was just so low in the vegetation. Uh, that was easily ignitable uh, and put out a lot of embers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, embers are the main thing that we're trying to, trying the to watch the as wind, far as fire
1: spread. The wind obviously it helped, uh, I guess, fuel that as well. Yeah, we
3: had a lot of extreme uh, wind events, you know, mm-hmm. and some we were aware of and some we weren't. So um, we try to work with National Weather Service as much as we can. But, you know, uh, when you're in East Tennessee in the valley, you know, everybody knows the, the weather's difficult to predict, mm-hmm. you know, uh, along the length of this whole valley. Um, but, um, but anyway, um, you know, uh, it's important to realize too, that, you know, we talk about drought in 2016, but we do, uh, you know, we do have fires threatened just about every year uh, in the state. It's not just during those times. Uh, right. we've, we've lost houses, uh, during more, uh, average fire seasons. Um, so it's important to know just because there's a drought, you know, that's, that extra precaution. But uh, in Tennessee and East Tennessee and in the mountains, um, you know, you need to take care every year because, you know, we always have a few weeks that dry out in the spring, a few weeks that dry out in the winter. Um, And and it needs to be something that we think about. We tend to forget about it. Uh, We see the big events. But, you know, in Tennessee, we can have a hundred acre fire that threatens, you know, a hundred homes. Mm -hmm. Uh, They can be right there in the valley. We have such clustered developments. You know, out west, they've got more federal land. Um, and the fires come, and you see a large fire blow through. Um, East Tennessee, you know, most part we don't have giant fires. We don't have that much federal land. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, smaller fires can affect – Affect you just as much as a as a large fire does especially in these in this area
1: so so that's very good nathan um for just thank you for describing the events and, and really the conditions and and i will let everyone know right now 2018 fall conditions are not the same as they were in 2016 that does not mean that you don't have to still be cognizant and have safety awareness um, but conditions are different and when we get back from this break we're going to bring in kevin uh, from Pigeon Forge. He's a lieutenant with them, with the fire department. And to have him talk a little bit about how those fires affected Pigeon Forge. Obviously, it was a big deal. Um, and then, Molly, we didn't forget about you, certainly. We're going to have some questions for you when we get back right after these messages.
0: Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what's really going on out there and what to do about it. Again,
1: Kevin Ray. Welcome back into the Housing Hour. Again, it's Kevin Ray. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we have a great panel of guests today on the show, and we're talking about wildfire prevention. Uh, we have Molly Maori, and we have Kevin Nunn, Nathan Waters, and Leon. Uh, why do I cannot remember to how to say your name? Cons. You can say it through the mic. We, they can't hear you when you whisper over there. So, um, but we're we're really you know I I hate to say this but I get excited about these types of shows and the reason being is because I think that they're very informative and. I share them with friends and family because I want people to know, you know, even if your community isn't firewise accredited or even if your your community maybe this isn't like the top of the priority, there's still things that you can do just in individually to make sure that your home has the protection. Um and the resources are out there. That is absolutely 100% true. Now Kevin, I do want to turn to you. Um you were there 2016. Um, yeah, I think there was 14 lives lost, if I'm not mistaken, and a lot of people injured, and I'm sure it was very, very difficult for you and your colleagues, and I can't even imagine what you guys went through, but do you mind just kind of giving us a recap and give us a little bit of an idea of how the fires affected Pigeon Forge?
4: Um, one of the biggest things that I think the uh, people need to realize, as Nathan uh, alluded to, is that that's uh, season 2016 started really early. It started in the spring, and and I moved here in 2007, 2006, and um, and I really had a, a misconception about what could burn here, mm-hmm. and um, because coming from Colorado, very dry climate, and here it was very wet. And uh, in 2016, like Nathan said, everything was burning. Um, and it started off early in January and February, and and I used to think that I'd never see a, a, a air tanker drop here in uh, in Tennessee and East Tennessee. And that year in the spring, we we dropped uh, several times on the side of Bluff Mountain, and uh, it was very very uh, surprising to a lot of people, um, wow. including a lot of the firefighters.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, and so um, while we did burn early in the spring season um then the summer kind of slacked off a little bit with forestry handling a lot of that and we didn't see a lot of activity inside the city um or in severe county and then we moved into the fall and um it was the the division of forestry kept us really informed as to what our droughts uh what our drought activity was and and the things that we needed to be aware of and and so we were we were prepared for uh significant uh, events but i don't think anything really prepared, prepared us for the that, that particular night in november mm. um but i think one of the other things that they they also talk about is that um everybody refers to it as the gatlinburg fires and um and it was all of severe county and um how it affected pigeon forge was that we have a, a in city response district and a and a in county response district. And inside the city, we burned 17 structures, and outside the city, immediately outside the city, we burned 250 structures.
1: Um,
4: so, um, you know, I, I it's not to not to place um, you know a competition between us and Gatlinburg, but it, a lot of it was just the the reference. Uh, people get lost and what what actually happened. Right and where all those fires were, and there were four specific large fires that night throughout the
1: county. Man, I tell you, I, it seems like yesterday, and I know... It has to have been very difficult, and I've heard stories, you know, from individuals, firefighters. I remember being, you know, watching uh, live video. Um, that's the day, days that we're living in today um, of people on Facebook Live and uh, Periscope. I remember, you know, really being invested in it and not knowing what I could do, like, because there wasn't really, I just needed to stay out of the way is really the key there. Um, no, you know, you guys didn't need people coming up there trying to help, and um, you guys had your hands full and i mean you guys for the cards that you were dealt you guys did an incredible job uh, facilitating and doing what you all had to do and the efforts that were made i think get lost in that because um it was it was a lot of hard work and a lot of emotional i'm sure scars that still exist um, because of how determined you guys were to make it right and make sure you protected every live and every single structure that you possibly could. And you still lost a lot and that's the reality. But, um, on behalf of myself and I know our entire community, we thank you guys for what you did, uh, and your part in protecting our, our community and continue to do. And that's what we're talking about today. I want to bring Molly in. Molly, thank you for, um, standing by. You still there?
2: I'm still here.
1: Awesome. So, um, You've been listening and and we've set the stage. Uh, A community like Pigeon Forge, uh, you know, they have uh, obviously they've done a lot of planning and and they've become, I believe, Firewise uh, accredited. Um, And your your organization helps with a variety of things. Um, How does a community like Pigeon Forge go about planning uh, for this and how to shape its future? How do they plan? Where do they start? How do they do it?
2: that we do, and I'm going to introduce a term here, the wildland urban interface, we fondly call it the WUI. So the first thing we do is really look at where is the wildland urban interface or the WUI. And it's any area where the combination of human development and vegetation have a potential to result in negative impacts from wildfire on the community. So, you know, you could look at housing, businesses, critical infrastructure like roads and bridges or hospitals and schools, you know, places even like Dollywood. All of these places, especially given the smaller geography of Pigeon Forge, you know, we'd look at is, are they in the wildland urban interface? And... Then you start thinking about, well, what does this mean if there were to be a wildfire? What would some of these negative impacts look like on the community? And I think, you know, 2016 was a very extreme example of what could happen, you know, not just within a fire perimeter, but many of the long-term impacts that, that do occur with any fire. So then we start looking at where do you, where do you start taking the wildland urban interface next? And, you know, we, we have multiple goals. We want to make the response for firefighters more effective. We want safe evacuations for the public. We want homes and businesses to be able to withstand uh, fire, even if there's no one there, to put the fire out. So there's multiple goals we start looking at, too, and, and talking to different um, agencies, so planning wildfire, land management, development community, all of these different stakeholders, you know, have an interest in a, a positive outcome for wildfire. So, you know, we bring all of these pieces together and we start really looking at how can a community become safer for the next wildfire event because of, you know, I think Nathan and Kevin both pointed out it's not uh, if it's really when the next wildfire will occur. Right.
1: Can you tell me a few of the things that are written into sort of the planning process that a community would start with, as you you just said?
2: Sure. I'll give you a couple different examples. And sometimes these things are easier when you're looking at new development, what you can do. And then there's other uh, planning strategies for existing development. You know, when we look at the home itself, we really think about how can this, home or any structure, not just a home or business or other kind of property, how can it be less susceptible to a wildfire? And as I said, a key point is especially when uh, fire protection resources might get overwhelmed. So, you know, we know that there's going to be many homes, and I think Kevin can probably speak to this, is many homes at one time that there can't necessarily be a Fire truck in every driveway, we like to say. So what do those homes need to look like? And at a minimum, you know, we start looking at, well, what what's the home made out of? What kind of materials and construction does the roof have non-combustible materials? Um, or is it ignition resistant? You know, where can embers land near the home? And I think anyone that saw the footage of the 2016 fires or any of the fires occurring in in California right now, you know, you see these ember storms and you think about, wow, where are all of these embers going to go and land? And so on the building side, we like to protect the building more through what, you know, specific kind of vents or um, cleaning the gutters from any leaf litter and debris and then you look a little bit further out of the structure and you think, well, where else could an ember land near the home? And it could be on material that's, you know, in, in uh, leaf piles or, you know, other debris kind of collected near the house, shrubs. And we start thinking about, well, what kind of landscaping techniques are should be in place? And you can do that in different ways. The FireWise program, which I know we'll talk more about, is, a voluntary program. It helps educate homeowners on you know, what can you do to your building and landscaping. We can also write these uh, measures into codes, right. uh, landscaping right. or development codes. Why don't we, we actually so pause, right. Molly? Pause well.
1: right there. Molly, pause right there because we're coming up on a break. But I want you to. Um, we'll pick right back up right there because there's obviously some people that might be resistant to some things as it relates to the type of home that they want to build but i think that we can bring everybody to the table and and come up with a a very easy compromise so let's talk a little bit more about that we're gonna bring the other guests back in as well and discuss some other items hang with us right here on the housing hour the housing
0: hour with kevin ray continues helping you understand what's really going on out there and what to do
1: about it again kevin ray And welcome back into the Housing Hour. This is Kevin Ray. That was a strategic pause for you guys to know that we're going to be talking about some really interesting stuff. Um, we do have on the show with us a, a bunch of guests, and because of time, I want to just start right back in. Molly, you back there? You still there? I'm still here. Okay, one of the things that we were talking about um, off air, I don't know that you could hear us, but um, there's such a, a, a an issue. A lot of people look at... Communities and the reasons, and and so we ha- we provide a report. or uh, Whoever provides a report, here's what happened. You know, here's the things that could have been done differently. Everybody's a Monday morning quarterback. I get that, but um, now that we have some facts and some information, it's it's a really good idea to take what we've learned from the past and try to implement some of those lessons and some of those things into the future. And as We begin or continue rather to rebuild, you know, a lot of the homes in Pigeon Forge and Gatlinburg and Sevier County. They're in the midst of doing that right now. But regardless of that, you were talking about some of the. Um, materials that could be used, and some of the things that we can do as a preventative measure, um, as these embers maybe land on properties, you know, that you could prevent this fire from spreading. Ember lands on your property, you have the right material, maybe it just burns out right there, and and it becomes a non-issue. But regardless of that, there are stakeholders that have uh, a variety of interests. Um, I, we're, I I want to skip ahead a little bit to this cause I want to be able to get all of what you have to say in, but talk to me a little, what, how do you face those challenges and tell me a little bit about what you do to bring people to the table?
2: Sure. I think sometimes it's also just worth reminding all of our stakeholders that we work with and many of them are already on the same page that there is uh you know there's a reason why we do what we do it's in the it's in the public interest for safety mm. and so we look at what those common goals are initially and sometimes it does take a little bit of education um you know especially when we start talking about regulations i know that's not the favorite word for a lot of people and and there's the assumption that it will immediately lead to more costs. but you know, one of the things we really talk about is on the flip side Taking no action also has a significant cost. Right. And there's a reason why we, you know, have these regulations in place. So I'm, I'm not advocating necessarily for regulations as the only solution, but I think the point is that there's a lot of good information to help people understand why and when it's appropriate to sometimes explore these other strategies
1: yeah and And regulations hmm. are not always a bad thing i mean as an example i have at my home a 10 year old and a 13 year old if i didn't have regulations then it would things would go crazy right so i think (laughs) i mean using it in a bigger scope we have to have rules because the rules are made because they have, have thought has been put into why these rules are in place Because we're trying to prevent something and the the subject expert like yourself and Kevin and Nathan and Leon, the people who are the subject experts, you know, you guys are the ones that are not making the rules. You're not legislators, but you're providing information and education and then that's you ha you can only meet someone halfway, then it's up to the individuals who hold those positions of authority, who can write rules and who can bring legislation to a vote. Those individuals they need to be mindful of uh the consequences if they don't take action and I'm not trying to you know get off out of bounds here, but um you guys have done a lot with education so so at the point where we are our current state, we're rebuilding. Um, do you want to continue talking about, is there is there something along those lines that we could do as a community to help? And have you had a, a receptive audience, I guess, is the other question.
2: Well, usually people are very receptive after a fire because I think it's a pretty big wake-up call. Right. And so Pigeon Forge and Sevier County and other areas like Gatlinburg, are in a really good position to talk about this, you know, that it's sometimes very difficult and not appropriate immediately after a fire. But, you know, six months to a year, to two years after a fire is really an opportunity to say, how can we be more strategic, especially if we're going to grow more in the wildland or within our face? What, how can we avoid putting more structures at risk to wildfire in the future? Mm-hmm.
1: You say so, it so nicely because mm-hmm. it's, you're very diplomatic about it. And I appreciate that. We need more people like you to be at the table, but also at the same time, I, on the other side, um, if I were, you know, a resident of Pigeon Forge or a resident of Sevier County, um, I would be, you know, over there, you know, trying very hard to talk to my city councilmen and women. Um, and I guess even my senators state and also, uh, federal to make sure that, you know and uh, so let me ask you this question i don't want to get too far off track cuz i want to get kevin in here talk a little bit about the 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 benefits um that are happening some of the great things that they are doing and have done um and we only have 5 minutes left in this segment and then we have one more segment but um what what exactly would you say uh the temperature is right now cuz builders are coming in right now they don't really have i mean you have code right but the the code that we current state currently have, um, someone could come in and and continue to build with the materials uh, that are very very combustible. Right, this current state is that is that an accurate statement?
2: That is an accurate statement. Okay, so uh, my question about that would but be: we, I think we don't have a, a local building official on the phone or on the phone or in, uh, on the hour, but right. Kevin may also be able to respond to that. Yeah, let me have
1: Kevin bring I'm gonna bring Kevin here because I mean I'm I'm just looking at it from black and white. It's like well the code is the code. You're not responsible for the code. You didn't write the code, right? That's correct. (laughs) The code is the code. And how do you change the code? It's through I mean, yes, somebody could actually vote and they could change the code, but you can't just change it without educating, right? So how do we go about changing the code?
4: Well I think that's been the the goal of the the group that that Molly's with we uh C-Paw is mm-hmm. the the acronym for it and CEPAW came in to our city and um when well, we invited them in sure, and right, applied right. for their grant and uh they've been giving us guidance on how to develop our our community wildfire protection plan. Uh mm-hmm. that's the that's the the basis of everything. Right. And so Having that and and really um, giving the planners and giving our developers and our city administration some guidance um, has is really going to come out of that plan, and we are still developing it and, mm-hmm. and CPAW has really been uh, helping us. they came out for a site assessment and, um, and I can't speak for Molly, but uh, she seemed really surprised at uh, how the structures were um, uh, kind of intermixed in our wildland urban interface mm and uh um and so their group really got a good view of our area and they were really able to um kind of g- give us some good direction mm-hmm. um whether that be in the codes or whether that be in the uh, uh response planning or whether that be in our firewise development um she's been you know they've been extremely uh receptive and, and helpful uh, throughout this entire year
5: that's and, awesome and part of that um yeah. Kevin, is them training you how to assess individual owner homeowners. Is that something – because you go out and do an assessment in the community.
4: Correct, That's and that's part of our program as well is that we now, with, with uh, CEPA assistance and with FEMA guidance and grant monies and the Tennessee Division of Forestry grant funding – um they've all been uh helping us to develop an assessment program so that mm. we can go out as the fire mm. department and we can respond to people and and give them some guidance about their structural ignition potentials
1: well with what molly um molly you want to jump in there and respond to that
2: well sure i'll just add that it was very eye opening to tour the wildland urban interface with kevin and Leon and nathan and some others and you know, at the same time, I think some of the things we learned from the 2016 fires are not very far off from what we're unfortunately seeing in California. And so as we span communities across the country, you know, there are unique local challenges, but there are also very many similarities across these communities that, that experience wildfire.
1: Mm, yeah, it
5: sounds like there's opportunities Yeah. Opportunities to safeguard the communities.
1: Yeah. And and Molly, Uh I'm sure you have your big three or your big five or, you know, in in Pigeon Forge, you guys are. And and, and I know that um, Kevin is in, in the whole community of Pigeon Forge. And everyone in the state of Tennessee, frankly, considering it's the most uh, Pigeon Forge and the Smoky Mountains are the most visited national park in the whole country. I'm sure there's a lot of people that are grateful for you and your organization and that um, we are one of eight communities that have uh, received this incredible grant and guidance. I mean, what an incredible thing that you guys are providing. And there's a a bunch of other things too that we're going to talk about. We only have one segment left. I cannot believe that, but um, we will try our best to get everything in. So come back and join us right after these messages.
0: Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what's really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray.
1: Welcome back into the Housing Hour. This is Kevin Ray. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm going to jump right back in. Um, there's some things, some important points here. Uh, Kevin, if you'd like to, to talk about them, um, some things that, that homeowners can do, uh, and it's a service that you provide. Um, do you want to talk about those things like uh, for instance the you know providing a home assessment um, some things that the city of Pigeon Forge um, has done you know maybe you could speak about Firewise as well which is something we're familiar with you want to go through some of that
4: I think one of the most important things to realize is that our city administration and our our city uh, council has been extremely supportive of Firewise and and they have really been driving towards that so anything that uh, from the fire department side that I've brought up to them has just been, um, you know, we're getting ready to add Smoky Bear, fire danger signs at the base of every entrance to the city. Um, they, they're they very, very supportive of everything we've been doing, and one of those programs has been just getting the word out to the citizens that we'll, we'll come out, we'll assess your property, mm-hmm. we'll give you uh, kind of a guidance uh, on how to um better prepare your home against wildfire because uh, as as we educate people it's not just the the overwhelming fire that comes into your neighborhood it's the small embers that land in a pile of leaves and then catch mm-hmm. your siding on fire um and and so the whether it's the adoption of firewise in our community or whether it's the the fact that our city has been offering curbside brush pickup for the last 10 years. Um, just there's a lot of uh, good things that come out of the, the city in general. And and one of those is we just are trying to do a better job at preparing our citizens, residents and structures for wildfire.
1: Mm. And you've got you guys have evaluated 400 structures and your hope is to to evaluate a bunch more before the grant is completed, right?
4: Correct. And, and I mean, really what that comes down to is time it yeah. It takes a, a quite a bit of time to assess properties mm-hmm. and and get uh with citizens and i mean it may take us two hours just to sit down and visit with somebody
1: um, Molly when you look at severe county and other counties uh obviously they're big tourist destinations um and and there's towns I know I'm sure that you're in collaboration with as well um are there are there other towns in other parts of the country that have adopt, adopted some of these? Uh, planning measures um, that we could maybe learn from?
2: Absolutely. I know we're getting uh, close on time, so I'll keep this example quick. But we worked this past year with the city of Deadwood, South Dakota, and anyone who's been to Deadwood knows that they have a really wonderful uh, historic preservation component to their town. They get a lot of tourists in the summer, so high fire season time for them. And they were going through a comprehensive plan update process. So they formed a citizen group uh, and it was represented with local business owners and other active citizens. And we met with those citizens and we talked about, you know, how wildfire can be part of the planning process for them and gave them some education on what kind of policies and topics to consider. And, you know, at the end it really became their document though and, and their their final outcome was they decided what priorities they wanted to put in place for policies, and, and that lays the groundwork for many things, for plans and programs and other activities and potentially regulations in the future. So it was um, really great to engage citizens at such a local level and see them transform that into you know, taking some action and planning for the future in their community
1: that's awesome and i know coming up on march 21st and 22nd you guys will be having a conference in pigeon forge that's going to be devoted to um, helping to uh, bring those people to the table i think the community can be involved in that coming up well
2: we're really excited about it but i'm Mm -hmm. going to turn it over to kevin or leon to talk about the conference in more detail
1: okay kev kevin you've been um signaled
4: realistically we've just gotten um uh we've partnered with TDF or Tennessee Division Forestry and FEMA and we're bringing CPAW back to our our uh our town mm-hmm. and the, the conference is all about planning for wildfire um whether it's planning we're encouraging firefighters to attend we're encouraging commissioners planners um it, it's a i think it'll be an extremely uh, well received event for, I mean, not just not just Pigeon Forge and Sevier County, mm-hmm. but East Tennessee in general. That uh,
1: is awesome. That's really is. incredible. That's my birthday too, so it even makes oh, it that, better. Go ahead, what? Well,
5: I was going to ask just yeah. in general because yeah. we're talking about protection of the communities from fires. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, sometimes you hear in the in in and around town when they talk about these things that you know control burns. You know, burning is is good. When I mean there's so there's a pushback on this, and I'll throw it over to Nathan. When is uh, burning not so good, and when is burning in the forest
3: good?
1: Yeah, he has a lot of Mark has a lot of kudzu at his house. (laughs) Yeah,
3: Um, you know it's one of those things. um, It 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 depends on where you're burning at and what you're burning. We do a lot of prescribed burning. Mostly our prescribed burning is either for vegetation management or for wildlife management. It's usually large tracks. Um, You know they've looked into a lot about doing. controlled burning around residences in different places we've had one community that's even used goats to get rid of their kudzu and that's an excellent option i think city of oxville does that (laughs) so um you know prescribed burning is a good thing um you know that's planned out that's when we're going in there we're doing some ecological ecological benefits you know we're taking care of nature um we're trying to keep things uh uh, as they were there's been fire in the past there or whether we're managing for a certain animal but um you know Wildfire don't don't connect those because prescribed burning and wildfire are two separate things. Uh, mm. Prescribed burning is controlled. Uh, you've got trained firefighters on hand. You know, wildfire on the other hand is exactly what it says uh, mm. the name says. Wild. It's right. wildfire. It's not controlled.
1: Yeah, I, I, that's such a good um, question, Mark. And I mean, there are times, and and I think that one of the things that um, we need to encourage people to do is to reach out to your fire department and division of forestry to learn more about the resources that are available. I know that they're there. There are, there are resources. We're going to have those on the Um There's some voluntary actions that you can do at your property. Uh, and those are things that Molly, I know preaches, and I'm wanting to say it for her due to the time that we have, but um, you know, also back to you, I want to talk to Nathan one last moment here as we sort of wrap up the show uh, we have just about three minutes left in in here, and you know those wildfires that we experienced obviously were unprecedented. Even though the '87 drought and the other ones we had, we didn't have the extreme winds and the drought. Maybe there it was sort of a recipe for disaster. So that's some of that you can you can't avoid. But um, we've talked about a lot of things that obviously could cost money. You know, you do have to pivot and do things differently. That's something that we have to make a adult decision about. If materials are more expensive, maybe they are, maybe they aren't. If if doing their mediation and doing some of the things that are recommended, maybe those things are costly as well. But why should people really think, hey, these are good investments? Don't look at them as expenses. These are investments. Talk to me a little bit about that.
3: Um, you know, it's just basic stuff. Uh you know, whether it's putting a nice new metal roof on your, on your home or, or a new roof on your home, uh, a lot of the vegetation stuff, you know, if you go with some of the uh, uh, options as far as staying away from mulch and, and other things, you know, um, it, it can be a little more expensive up front to use stone, to, to use uh, pea gravel, you know, within a certain distance of the house, uh, to use different construction materials. But if you look at, uh, at, at the benefit, I mean, those are usually going to last a lot longer. They're easy to maintain, uh, I know we had had uh, uh, one builder that was actually using some concrete, not just siding, but actually it looked like concrete uh, logs, um, so, you know, they wanted that log look. You know, log homes aren't bad. Uh, usually when a wildfire passes through, it doesn't linger. It takes quite a while, uh, quite a bit of burning uh, to ignite like a log. So, I mean, you know, there's a lot of options you out can, there. Yeah, the you m- know, just, concrete just logs.
1: Look. I love it. You can paint them. They look like logs. <laughs> totally. And also, the fact is, it was a billion dollars in damage. I think, or close to it. Let's let's use some other material, folks. Even if it costs a little bit more, the reason it's easy. You have a billion dollars of damage, fourteen lives lost, and lots of people injured, and many millions of dollars of property that were lost. Um, Hey, Kevin. So that's a very good reason. Can
5: I ask Molly uh, real quick? Hey, Molly, can you tell us? Are you working with any other community in Tennessee, East Tennessee area?
2: We are not, not yet.
5: So that's that's a good invitation.
1: Yeah, that is a good invitation. And, and um, there's an office that had a uh, little fire at the front of their office Never mind. I I did have one. I had a little wildfire.
5: (laughs) Yeah, he caught it.
1: I did. And I put it out. Hey, you can congratulate me. But um, I guess, Molly, um, thank you so much for joining us. We're we're running out of time, unfortunately. But I do want to thank you for coming on and for all that you're doing for Pigeon Forge and the education that you're bringing and the collaboration. It's it's inspiring. And thank you so much.
2: You're so welcome. Thanks for the opportunity to talk about it today.
1: Absolutely. And I do also want to thank Kevin for coming in. I know you've got a job out there to do, and Kevin Nunn, lieutenant for Pigeon Forge Fire Department, appreciate you coming in as well. This is your first time on the radio, you said. That's right. You did a great job. I also want to thank Nathan Waters. Um, of course he's been in this is his third time always enjoy what you have to say and Leon for putting this all together and Mark as well incredibly well prepared it's on our website it It is on our website three part series please go to the website there's the resources and the phone numbers take action folks thank you we'll see you next time right here on the housing hour that's the housing hour
0: with Kevin Ray for today